Namaskara, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or whenever you're listening to this, and welcome to the third episode of Perspective Platoon with Pratik. Now, obviously, I'm not Pratik. My name is Mardiara, and I'm the guest on today's episode, and I wanted to hop on here really quick to share some exciting news with you. I recently wrote and released my very first single. It's called Sorry Boy, and it's out on all streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, all that good stuff, and it would mean the world to me if you go and stream my song and follow me on Spotify because I have plenty of new songs and new projects um, that are going to be released soon. Super excited to share it. So go follow me on Spotify. Um, we didn't talk about this in the podcast because at the time of recording, the song wasn't out yet. Um, but it's out now. And it's actually a really big milestone for me because I've been writing, singing, composing music, playing the piano ever since I was, ever since, for as long as I can remember. Um, but I never really released any of my own material like officially out into the world. So this is something that I've wanted to do for a very long time and I'm just so happy that it has manifested itself. So it's out there, you can listen to it and let me know what you think. You can comment down below or you can follow me on Instagram. And without further ado, with all that being said, let's dive right into this episode. how's it going i'm good how are you i'm doing good i'm doing good i'm doing good um just to kick things off i'd like for you to introduce yourself uh but introduce yourself like you would if you were to meet a random stranger and sort of mention a few likes and dislikes of yours oh if i if i was meeting a random stranger right. somebody you've never met before well okay this is easy for me to do because just yesterday i was on an uber uh, and this guy was asking me so many questions. So I'm just going <laughs> to relive that experience. So right. hi to anyone who's watching. Um, most of my friends call me Mars. My name is Mardiana. Um, I'm Malaysian and I'm currently studying in the US. And my major is professional media, which is like broadcasting, journalism, filmmaking, media related type stuff. Yeah. What are some of your likes and dislikes? They can be the most mundane likes things, but yeah, what are your likes and dislikes? Well, likes, I don't know, like is kind of like a really vanilla word. I'll just go like love and hate, you know, okay. like well, zero to hundred. Like yeah. and, or love and don't love. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Why not? Love and hate. Sure. Okay. Why not? <laughs> okay. I hate when people spit on the sidewalk, like people who spit. That's just super. Okay. Random. Okay. Fair. Yeah. Hate that. Um, I'm not a morning person, so if you're going to make me wake up before like 10, we're going to have a problem. That's right. it. Right. If it's for like a class, that's fine. But I'm not a morning person, so I'm not a fan of mornings. Um, I love music. Music is just probably, I would say, like my biggest passion apart, mm -hmm. from, apart from the stuff I do with media, like um, videography, photography, and podcasting. Music is... Um, a very big passion of mine and it's always been with me since I was a kid yeah um, other things I love I love traveling I love going to new places and I love being with my friends and cool. family and family oh. and pets and pets. pets and pets cool yep. cool I don't think I'm necessarily a pet person but I do want to have a dog sometime down the road I've changed my mind on that honestly I used to be scared of dogs but 
I'm like, you know what? I'm open to the idea of having a pet. So you're a dog person. Well, I actually got bit by a dog, so I used to be scared of dogs. But now I'm like, I think I like dogs. Dogs are great. They're just yeah. so loyal, and like they love you, and they'll just yeah. come back to you like every time. Cats yeah. are another story. I mean, I like cats, but I'm a dog person too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if I had to pick between whether I'd have a dog or a cat as a pet, I'm definitely going for a dog, um, not for not for a cat. Um, anyway, so you mentioned that music was your sort of passion. That's something that you like, and you've sort of been doing it since childhood. What's your earliest memory of being involved with music? Earliest memory. Um, well, I've been playing the piano since I was literally three and a half years old. So let's say three. Yeah, three years old, and my mom would bring me to piano class and. It was like a class full of I want to say like eight to ten kids, and we all had like keyboards, not full on pianos, because if you're a little kid, it's a piano is kind of hard to like hit. Right. So when you're starting out as a kid, you normally start out with keyboards. So that's what we had, and this teacher would kind of like play things, and then we would just follow along and sing along, and that was kind of my earliest memory of the first ever like music lessons that I took,、mm-hmm. and. Yeah, that's my earliest memory of music. And other memories I would say come from just listening to music with my parents, with my mom. She would listen to a lot of like '80s, '90s pop. So I definitely love my '80s, '90s pop just because of that. Yeah. Cool.、Um, you said piano was like, or keyboard rather, was one of the first things you started、uh, playing.、Um, what are some other instruments that you play? Because I do know that you play a few other instruments, or maybe a couple of other. So, but if you want to enlighten the audience, <laughs> well, keyboard is one of them. I guess keyboard and piano is like the same. So yeah, yeah. I'd say I play piano, keys.、Um, I do play the guitar. I'm not that great at it. I can kind of like strum. Right. I don't. I don't have like guitarist fingers. Like I have pretty small hands. So it's kind of I just kind of struggle with the guitar and like holding the chords and things like that. But I do play the guitar. When I was in school, I. Play the recorder. Do you know what that is? A recorder. It's like the kind of like a trumpet. No, no. It's like it's kind of like a flute, but you play、okay. a flute like this. But you play、uh-huh. a recorder like this. It's、okay. just a long thing that has holes, and you just like press the holes, and then、okay. and it、cool. sounds really excruciatingly painful if you play it wrong. But it's fun. <laughs> yeah,、okay. it was one of those. It's one of those things where like they make you play it in school、mm-hmm. just just because I don't even know why. But yeah. Was、That's、it like、all. part of music class or something like that? Yeah, it was part、mm. of music class. But、uh, apart from piano and guitar, which is like my main, I guess I don't really play anything else. Not that I can think of.、Right、gotcha,、now. gotcha. Maybe a gotcha. bit of ukulele, but that's it. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool.、Mm-hmm. So that kind of falls under the family of、uh, guitar, I guess. Is it? Yeah. Yep.、Maybe. Yeah. Yep. I guess so. I'm not、mm-hmm. not musically aware, so to speak, in terms of instruments.、Um, oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's the guitar、yeah. family. It's、mm-hmm. part of the guitar family. So,、um, you're also someone that sings a lot, and you've sung a lot, a lot in the university that we both go to, and like in other places. So, what's your earliest memory of singing? And is it something that started along with you playing instruments, or was it just something that happened on a later stage, at a later stage? My earliest memory of singing.、Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, I guess this kind of ties into music class because when you know when we were kids and we had like kid-friendly music lessons, I think it's really hard for kids to stay still and like seriously learn how to play things. So singing was a big part of the classes. So 
we would kind of like vocalize things like the teacher will play something and she'll be like ah and it will play it and we'll be like ah and like sing along mm -hmm. so i would say that singing and playing kind of came hand in hand for me as a kid with my music lessons mm -hmm. and then as i went on to primary school and i went on to high school you know schools always have like competitions so like talent competitions singing competitions stuff like that right. i was that kid i was that kid i would <laughs> go for all of them i won some i didn't yeah. win some it, i don't know it depended whether i practiced or not because sometimes i would get really lazy i wouldn't practice for a competition i wouldn't win anything or sometimes i would wing it and i would do pretty well and i would win a prize so mm -hmm. it was quite an experience i did a lot right. of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. growing up so yeah primary school high school i did sing and perform like quite a bunch dancing as well actually not just singing but dancing as well mm -hmm. and like public speaking type of stuff and then i went on to college and i also did singing in college in malaysia before i came here mm -hmm. um just like for the audience i right. actually transferred from a malaysian college before i came here to uco and in that college, I also sang with my friends. Um, we had I had a little group. Of oh, cool! Three of us. There were three of us in this little group. <laughs> we called our we called ourselves the Triple Threat, which is nice. Which is like I like it. Okay. Well, there's three of us, so that's right. what we came up with, and we right. would basically sing three part harmonies. Oh, okay, cool. And yeah, so we went for a talent competition, and we ended up winning second place in nice. that talent competition and we won money from it and that was a moment where we realized we were like damn we could do something with this like right. we could actually go out and like sing and perform and get money so that's what we did like we booked a couple of performances here and there we got some money from it, it was like a fun little side gig type of thing with those two friends of mine mm -hmm. um and then i came here to uco and kind of somehow got involved in singing and performing again don't know how but i just happen to meet the right people wherever i go I right, guess. I meet right. Them and then i just get involved yeah. yeah yeah they sort of create that path for you to get into it again and so yeah of form. yeah yeah when i came to uco actually yvonne was the one i think who you know yvonne mm -hmm. right yeah i think so i remember yvonne. it was for one of her uh, events as musician right Yes, it mm. was her musical night event. And I think she knew that I sang or something. And she was like, do you want to perform? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I ended up, I think that night, I ended up playing a piano rendition of Can't Help Falling in Love with You by Elvis Presley. I sang, I played the piano. And that was my first performance like here in the States. And mm -hmm. then things just kind of snowballed from there. Like people would just come up to me and be like, hey, there's an event next month. Do you want to sing? And I'll just be like, yeah, sure. And it just <laughs> went on and on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that your sort of experience back home where you all did gigs and how after you won that competition, you felt like you could do something with music. Um, I think a lot of the times when we try a lot of things as kids, there's some things that we sort of let go of because we're not fans of it uh, down the road. But then it seems like music is something that stuck with you. What is it about music that keeps you there, if that makes sense? Keeps me there. Uh, I just love music. Like I can't get enough of it. Mm -hmm. I okay. So, <laughs> if anyone lives with anyone who lives with me will know, or anyone who like literally knows me personally will know, I'm listening to music all the time. Like if I'm alone, if I'm cooking, if I'm cleaning, if I'm just like hanging out in my room, whatever it is, there's always music playing in the background and. Spotify is just like my most used app. I'm on Spotify like all the time. I have so many playlists. I just love listening to things and 
mm-hmm. hearing how different how different genres sound, especially because you know there's so many types of music. There's like hip hop, there's pop, R and B, soul, acoustic, um, even death metal, like whatever you know people have preferences. That's not my preference. Right, right. I'm not listening to metal. Not that kind of person. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, do you listen to metal? No, I don't. Not really. I mean, exactly. I listen to I listen to hip hop, rap sometimes, but that's not my jam either. Sometimes maybe if I'm like working out or something, and I feel like I need something to pump me up, that's when I listen to that kind of stuff. Other than that, no, I'm not really. Not really. No. Like not in the metal scene. Nope. It's too loud. It's too loud for me. Right. I can't. I can't. Like, I just. <laughs> I don't. I mean, no shade. If that's right. someone's cup of tea, if you're watching this, is if that's your cup of tea, you do you. Right. But. Yeah, apart from that, I basically try to listen to as many types of music as I can. Mm-hmm. And I love understanding how like music has different purposes in different times, if that makes sense. Like, um, you know, for example, the pandemic that happened this year, you know, and I kind of realized that when we're in a tough time, when like people in general are in a tough time, we, we turn to art for comfort and for a sense of like familiarity or kind of a sense of like, okay, someone knows how I feel or this thing is comforting to me or it's a little escape from this harsh reality that we're in. We always turn to art, be it music, movies, films, podcasts, like whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's mm-hmm. always we turn to art. And I love that about music. It, the music has always been there for me in mm-hmm. any situation that I've been through. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Um, do you see yourself sort of staying engaged with music once you sort of branch into your professional career irrespective of what you end up doing yeah for sure i think i'll always stay engaged with music whether it blossoms to a full-time career one day who knows what could happen or whether it doesn't and if it's just Mm -hmm. something that i'm doing on my own for fun just for my own personal enjoyment it'll always be something that i engage with it'll always be a very huge part of me and Mm -hmm. i'm I'm just very grateful for music like in general Mm -hmm. yeah is it just sort of that way for you to um, seek comfort like through music irrespective of what you listen to? Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, it's it's not only comfort. Like if I want to be hyped up, I'm yeah. going to have a hype playlist of songs and I'm going to be like super pumped. Or like you said, working out, right? Like it helps yeah. you to, you know, get in the energy and get in the mood. That's also like a purpose. It pumps you up, gives you energy or... Like, I don't know, Christmas. Christmas is around the corner as we're on the day that we're yeah. recording this. Yeah. And, you know, Christmas music is everywhere and it gets you in the mood. If you're going right. to listen to, like, an EDM electronic music type of song, you're just going to be like, it's not the mood. But you put on a Mariah Carey song and it's like, Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. You know what I mean? Right, right, it right. That's the tone. Yeah. I love that. I yeah. just love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is maybe a bit too much information or maybe a bit of my pet, bit of a pet peeve of mine. Um, I think... Well, I work at Starbucks and we start decorating and doing Christmas stuff like early in November, like mid-November. And I, I'm i not a fan of uh, playing Christmas music, like even before Thanksgiving. I'm like, <laughs> why? <laughs> like there's still there's still more than a month left. Like, you know, I mean, I get it. It sort of brings in that Christmas cheer. And if that's something everybody likes, I mean, I'm sure I'm sort of in the, in the minority, I guess, um, with me saying that. But I just... I get that. I get, I understand where that frustration comes from because you're like, it's a month away, like calm down. Right, right, right. Maybe it's just just some part of the commercial space being commercial with Christmas, but hey, you know, that's, I guess it's a conversation for another day. (laughs) 
honestly, like Christmas itself is a business. You know, you have like Christmas trees, you have Christmas gifts, wraps, DIYs, Christmas music, Christmas outfits, hats, ugly sweaters, even like right. Christmas is a business. It's not just a holiday anymore. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Parts of society. Good stuff. <laughs> um, anyway, you mentioned that um, currently you're studying professional media and you're into videography and photography. What, what got you into that? Like, was there something, was there an incident that sort of triggered something or was it just your interest or what, what got you into that specifically? Well, when I was choosing kind of like a college major, mm-hmm. I was looking at mass communication and I was like, what can I do with this? What can, right. like what's in it for me and then the more I looked into it the more I found out about like video production and filmmaking and photography and all these like media related things and I was like that's so cool and it made me realize that media is truly all around us like you know if I I watch a lot of YouTube and I I don't watch a lot of Netflix I just watch shows that I like to watch personally but YouTube I watch a lot more of and you know I think people could agree with me when I say we all choose the kind of content that we want to watch online mm-hmm. like as far as media goes and if it's engaging then you'll just like go back again and again like you know the way you watch your favorite youtubers right. or the way you watch your favorite content creators and i remember well this incident probably didn't trigger the whole thing but it's just something that stuck out to me i remember one day watching a buzzfeed video mm-hmm. and it was kind of like this is so random like buzzfeed but i was watching a buzzfeed video and uh-huh. They were kind of explaining how they produced um, a video specifically. I think it was like a fashion-related video, but they were showing the behind the scenes of it, like the cameras moving and the cutting and the editing and all that stuff. And I was like, yes, like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was like, okay, that's super cool. Like, I kind of want to do that. And I, I was like, I think I could do that if I really, you know, if I work hard, it looks super interesting. Right. And that's like on the video side of things. For photography, I've always loved taking pictures ever since, I think, since I saw the first iPhone. Mm-hmm. Like my first experience with an iPhone, I think was probably like an iPhone 3GS or something back in the day. You back know? in the day. yeah. Back in the day. Right. But that was like my first, I would say my first encounter with an iPhone. And I was looking at the camera. It wasn't mine. It was like someone else's. I was just mm-hmm. kidding. I don't have iPhones. <laughs> well, kids, well, kids nowadays have iPhones, right, but, right, right. You know, right. not like not like us kids, you know. So it was someone else's, and I was looking at it, and the camera quality was just so amazing. Mm-hmm. And that person at the time was actually a relative of mine. She just went um, to another country, and she just came back home, and she was showing us all her travel pictures of like mountains and rivers and all these beautiful things on her iPhone 3GS. And I was like, this is sick, like photography is amazing like you can just go places and capture that memory right and that one single moment and bring it back with you and like you have it forever mm-hmm. it's immortalized like that moment is immortal like in your hands and I think that's why I love photography so much it you can just create moments like anywhere and it forces you to kind of slow down you know because mm. I feel like when I have a camera in my hand and I'm going out like for a photo shoot like it's a shoot day for me I'll be like okay keep your eyes open anything could happen and if you snap it like it could be a good picture it could be a good moment so mm. it really grounds you in the moment mm-hmm. which is what I love about it because in today's world we're so fast-paced that we don't necessarily slow down to like see what's happening around us mm-hmm. so it grounds me for sure mm. mm-hmm. interesting I have a couple of questions but um well, I'll go with this one first. Um, 
do you do you see any sort of commonality between your interest in music and your interest in photography or videography um in terms of maybe a way of you expressing your creativity or what do you find common between the two if you were to find something in common huh. um well yeah the creative aspect is definitely there mm-hmm. like just me being someone who loves to express myself through creative mediums. I think the word there, I think the word that I'm looking for is probably just creating. Like I've always loved right. to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm someone who just likes to make things out of I guess out of nothing. Like if I'm making a song, if I'm composing a song, that song came from nothing. It just came from like a couple melodies and a couple words and some chords I put it together and now it's a song. Like I made it from nothing. Or if it's photography, I could take a picture of like anything. Like let's say I take a picture of a picture on my wall. Mm-hmm. like i edit the picture and i make it look good and i change the lighting and whatever and then i could like post it somewhere and put a really meaningful caption and it means something you know what i mean like it something that meant nothing can now mean something if you like create it right yeah and same goes with making videos like mm-hmm. you can basically capture whatever it is that's going on or basically tell someone's story and someone who has a i mean someone who doesn't have a voice but they have a story that's worth telling doing that through video through filmmaking is very worthwhile for me as someone who likes to create mm-hmm. i would say so that's a long answer but <laughs> to wrap it up i think yeah. creating creating is is it for me like the mm-hmm. commonality mhm mhm interesting uh the second question i was going to ask you mentioned how uh, photography crowns you as a person um in terms of letting you experience a lot of things in this world that we live which is very fast paced um but i think like we live in a world currently where oh, there's also a side a part of society that's ready to just click every single thing that they see so um how important is it do you think to sort of create that sort of balance between okay i want to click a picture of this and sort of immortalize this memory through this medium of photography and then being like okay i just want to set by a sit back and sort of absorb this and sort of let my memory or let my imagination sort of create this image like how important do you think it is to sort of create that balance oh it's super important super super crucial i think if mm-hmm. if you're going to stay sane at any rate you definitely want to strike a balance between not being on your phone all the time and trying to capture everything i think um a way that i'm doing that is that when i'm when i'm actually holding a camera in my hands like i know it's a shoot day for me i'm like okay today i'm going out i'm going to shoot things then in that moment and in that day i'm going to be super purposeful about what i want to shoot and i'm going to be like i'm going to have my eyes open and I'll, i'll be shooting moments that you know are lost forever and then later on at night when i like come back home i look through all the photos that i've taken that day i'll be like oh my gosh i took that and it's really good and i didn't even realize i took that so mm-hmm. that's a result of like me having my eyes open while i was having the camera in my hands but you know on the other side of that it's like the whole being on your phone all the time thing that's different cuz i'm on my phone it's not like a dslr it's right. not like a shooting okay. camera mm-hmm. it's a i you know it's your own iphone and i mean yeah nowadays with your iphones the camera quality is so good you could like you know you can you don't really need a DSLR if you're not going to be like a hardcore photographer you can just use your iPhone but i do try to tell myself that okay when you're not properly holding a camera if it's just your phone like you know phone um you don't have to be so on the go 
with mm. photography. Yeah, just mm. enjoy, enjoy whatever it is. And if you know, if I'm free or if I'm just sitting by doing nothing and there's something happening, I'll be like, yeah, sure, I'll capture it. But if I'm engaging with a friend or I'm with family, like at a dinner, I'm not gonna be like Snapchatting like, oh, look at my family, oh, like. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I don't see the I don't see the point. There's there's just no point in doing that for me. Mm. I and I'm not gonna act like I'm innocent. Like I've definitely been guilty of doing that in the past. Where I'm like every gathering that I go to, every event that I go to, I make sure it's on my Snapchat. I'm like I do that. You know, people do that thing where like they pan on social media, like they take a video of everyone. Yeah, yeah, I don't do that. I don't do that anymore. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. for me, if I'm going to be capturing something, I want it to be purposeful. Mm-hmm. If it's just like taking it for the sake of showing off or not showing off. If you're just taking it for the sake of putting it on social media and then forgetting about it, then it doesn't it doesn't ring true to like actually creating something. So that's kind of the difference for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. being mindful about where I'm at and what I'm actually shooting. Yeah. Yeah. You probably answered this while you just mentioned the whole Snapchat thing of how you take videos of people or you used to when you used to be at gatherings. What was that? I guess breaking point is not the right word, but like what was that inflection point that made you be like, okay, well, maybe I should step back and not do this often. Was there a certain experience that led to that happening or was it just a random thought one day where you were like, yo, I probably shouldn't be doing this as much as I am. Hmm, good question. I don't really know if there's a like a specific breaking point where I mm. just I was like, oh, no, I'm gonna stop doing this. I think it kind of happened gradually. Mm. Or well, when I was in high school, like Snapchat was a really big thing, and all of us use Snapchat a lot. And my first year of college also did that. Yep, guilty. But I think my second year of college, I kind of slowly fell off, fell off of doing that, just mm. because I got I just got more busy. Like I just got more engage with like what I was doing like work wise and like do, when I was doing projects I wouldn't be so focused on my phone I'll be more more focused on like what's happening in the moment so right. I just kind of stopped I just kind of stopped doing that and it just it, it was kind of gradual just mm-hmm. over time and then over time as I like really stopped doing it I would look back at like my old like you know you have your archives on your snap and Instagram like you know you can see your old stuff and I would look at that stuff and I'll be like that's so cringy mars why did you do that <laughs> so cringy mm-hmm. like ew yeah, yeah so yeah. i'm glad i'm not doing it anymore mm-hmm. yeah i mean speaking of finding stuff that we do cringy i think it's common because every every time like i go back and look at some of the stuff that i've done before i'm like yo who who was that guy like wh- what were you doing right yeah god what what kind of stuff have you like cringed about like yourself Good question. I mean, I think it's it's not a lot of um, social media things. Maybe it's just about things that I like remember, like memories that yeah. I have that I go back to, and I'm like, why, 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 why? Like, and yeah, it just makes me feel all like you said, makes you feel very cringy, and you're like, why was I doing this? Or like, um, if I was to try and think of a memory specifically. Oh, um, well, maybe I should save it because I think this is a little, the one that I was thinking about was maybe a little too mm. deep to share on here. But okay, um, I fine. think uh, I can tell you off camera, that's fine. But okay. um, 
perks of being a guest. You're not going to listen to everything if you're just an audience member. <laughs> but I, I do hope to talk about the story sometime down the road. But anyway, cool. Um, yeah, bringing it back to the conversation, I think um, it's it's common to sort of feel that way because we grow and we sort of learn from our mistakes. And I think when you see yourself making those mistakes, you're like, who was that guy? Like, why was I making those mistakes? I think yeah. that I think that also plays a role in sort of making you cringe. Yeah, I was yeah. just like, ooh, like ew. When right. I see my old stuff. Yeah. 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 But you know what? It makes us grow. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we grow from it. Yeah, right. Because now you know better. You know that exactly. you shouldn't be doing that. Um, Period. Yeah. Period. For sure. Uh, we're going to transition into professional media a little bit more because um, that being your major and also you've um, been working with uh, the campus news, uh, the campus news, you central news, mm-hmm. and you've sort of been a presenter and all those kind of things. What is it about? Or, well, how do you like it being a presenter on the news? It's that simple. I like it. It's mm. it's it's fun for me. It's a job that I really enjoy. And I was um, actually an anchor on U Central News for a couple of semesters. So I did it in fall, right? Yeah, I did yeah. it in fall 2020 and fall, excuse me, I did it in fall 2020 and fall 2019. And please, for anyone who's watching, don't go look at my old stuff. <laughs> just like we talked about (laughs) it's cringe i oh my gosh when i look back at my old work like it doesn't matter what it is i just look back at it i'm like okay i shut it off i just Mm. don't want to look at it but (laughs) i will say that experience has you know i've learned a lot in my first experience as an anchor and now that i've i've come back for like the second time um in fall 2020 and anchoring on youth central news i've improved a lot and Mm. um yeah i really enjoy it i think a lot of people think anchoring is just like standing up there, like talking to a camera, but it's it's a lot more than that. It, there's a lot more work that goes into it, but mm-hmm. I enjoy it. What is some of that work that goes into it that people probably don't see as much? Well, first of all, you're not just an anchor, you're a reporter. Mm. So my job isn't just like showing up and then standing on the desk and then reading and like I leave. No, I have to, being a reporter means I actually have to go out and like find stories to write about. And I have to basically, the start to finish process of doing a story, it's not just like writing, it's not just writing, it's not like a newspaper, it's broadcasting, it's on TV. So first of all, you got to bring your camera or you got to have someone bring a camera, like a cameraman to follow you. And you got to interview whoever it is, or if it's an event, you got to film the event. And then you have to find people to talk to, to get like, we call it sound bites. Mm. In the, like, you know, in media the professional term, media scene, yeah. In the... Yeah, the term for it is sound bites, but that just means like bits and pieces of audio that we can use to kind of like shape and form the story. And after we're done filming the event or the person or whatever it is, we have to take all that footage and audio and whatever, take it back into like put it all in the editing software and then write a script to go along with that and then record our own voice to voice over the story. And whatever we're writing has to be factually accurate because as a reporter, as a journalist, if you're not reporting accurately, then like mm-hmm. there's no point in being a reporter. So fact checking is a very big thing. You got to go check all your facts, make sure you're doing the right thing, make sure you're saying the right thing, and then putting it all together like as a video, as a complete thing, and then submitting it to our tech people who are going to be like transferring it onto the newscast and like putting it on live when we're um, on the news. And so as an anchor, if I'm like reporting on my own stories, I'll be like on the desk and I'll 
kind of give a little introduction of the story that I reported on, I'll be like, I'll, for example, I'll just be like, here's the latest on the coronavirus story at UCO, Mardiana Malik has the latest, and then they'll play my video that I went out and filmed and edited and wrote. And then after that, um, I'll, after the video, I'll have to do like a short little outro before the next story comes on. So it's a whole process. It's a whole process, but people don't necessarily see that all the time because mm. we don't we don't show it. We just show like what's on the news, what's on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair, because I think I think it's I think it's a part of every profession. When you look at it from the outside, you're like, oh, this this seems pretty easy. Like I can go do this, but then when you actually right. go there and you sort of peel the curtain, there's a lot of things that you don't see that are quite challenging and thought in so in terms of just being in the zone of like, yeah. like you said, being credible as a reporter and sort of getting your, getting the things right and all those kind of things. It's, it's interesting how, sure. it's interesting how we tend to sort of, I guess forget is the wrong word, but we tend to not see that there's a lot that happens behind the scenes that we don't see. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, oh, I just thought of something. Can yeah, I? go for yeah. it. Yeah. So um, this is just like general knowledge, general like fun facts for anyone who's like, curious how the broadcasting world works so if you're watching like the anchors on tv they're just like standing at a desk or sitting at a desk right and it, it appears that they're just like talking seamlessly but they're actually reading words off a teleprompter and the teleprompter is the thing that like scrolls the words down so the words are just gonna like, like going and we're just reading it and there's a person behind the scenes who's actually controlling the words like controlling the speed of the words according to the speed that we read and if that person is not experienced the words might just whoop, they'll just all go up and i'll have nothing to read or the words will be too slow and i'll have nothing to read so yeah depends on the person behind the scenes but like as an anchor it's our job to stay composed and you know, there's, there are a lot of people working behind the scenes to make this whole thing happen. There's so many, like, like, there's a big crew of us, but the only people you see on screen are the anchors. And it's our job to stay as composed as possible. Wow, I was about to swear, but I caught myself. The, right. It's our job to stay as composed when things go crazy. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When things go crazy behind the scenes and like if we're lacking, let's say if we don't have enough people to be running the cameras that day and our people have to be running up and down and it's just like a flurry of chaos, it's our job to just be like, okay, like don't let it affect you. Your job is just like sit here and look professional and like deliver the news. And another thing is that we have an in-ear. We call it the IFB, that's what we mm-hmm. call it. But it's a little in-ear um, thing that you, you put in your ear mm-hmm. and the producer behind the scenes is like telling you your cues to like when you go on and like yeah. like things of that nature they're just like cueing you to go on and sometimes those things stop working oh so i don't have a cue. yeah it's happened like multiple multiple times i mm-hmm. wow so many times it's happened and it's so easy to it's so easy for me to just want to panic because i'll be right. like, hello, hello, I can't hear you, like, talk to me, like, when's my cue to go on, like, I don't know when to go on, but it's, so, it's my job to just be, like, be super alert in the moment, and I'll be like, okay, like, I can't hear anything, my FV's gone out, the battery's dead or something, I don't know what it is, but I gotta figure it out, so I'll just, like, be there and, like, be super alert, Mm -hmm. and try to just, like, catch it when it comes on, like, try to look at the correct cameras when they come on, and that's the thing, like, there are multiple cameras, we have three cameras, sometimes even four, so you gotta look at the right ones, because, you got to mm-hmm. make eye contact with the right camera. So I just got to be super alert. Even if there's no one in my ear cueing me to go on, there's no one telling me what to do. It's just my job to be like 
stay composed and stay alert and just you know keep it together because you're on right. air and when right. you're on air if you mess up you mess up if you fumble you fumble it's just there forever so right 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 yep that's one of the downsides like there's no pre-recording there's no editing it's just live it's all live mm. yep do you have any stories of those fumbles that you'd like to share if you have any oh my god yes i do have one this is so embarrassing <laughs> If any of my youth central friends are watching this, y'all know what I'm talking about. So that one, there was this one time when I think a someone from the industry, like a news person, I think he was a director or a producer, like a professional in the industry, mm-hmm. was actually watching our newscast on that day, that particular day. And that day, I was super tongue-tied. For some reason, I just couldn't get my words out right. You know, one of those days where you just can't talk, yeah. you know? It was just one of those days. I just couldn't say things right. And it was actually the first story of the newscast, the first story, like the top, the opening, the opening story. And I was reading that story and I just couldn't for the life of me get it out of my mouth. And I was just like, you know what? I even remember the word. It was the word hospitalization. I couldn't say that. So I was like, hospital. Like I just couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was so just excruciating embarrassing and I just kind of I think I just kind of like glossed over the word and I just went on right. to the next word I just read everything else yeah. tried my best to stay as calm as possible uh-huh. and it was so bad because that was the top of the show the first story and it's the opening like welcome to New Central News I'm Ariana Malik here's the first story and I'm messing it up and after the show our supervisor she comes in because after every show we have like a little meeting for the crew and the team and our supervisor she comes in and she's like okay so like this person from the industry was watching the show today he was watching it from top to bottom and i was like i was like jesus christ like he and the thing about these people like these Mm -hmm. industry professionals that watch our show they're watching it because they want to know how we're doing like as a collegiate newscast as a student-run broadcast they want to know like what's our standard like how good are we are we actually fit for the industry or are we just like a bunch of college students fooling around you know what i mean yeah and i will say like in youth central's defense we are pretty professional we run things as professionally as we can like we try mm-hmm. to be at the industry standard but it was just that day like i just couldn't speak and i was like great i just ruined it for everyone this guy this professional probably thinks that i'm a very underqualified anchor mm-hmm. underqualified to read can't speak english whatever but I was just like, okay, I'm gonna get over it. It's okay. We have more shows. We're just gonna keep improving with every show. So that's a thing as well. Like you just keep improving as you go along. Fair. Yep. Yeah. That's that was so excruciating and embarrassing. I don't think I can remember anymore. Like mm-hmm. top of my head. Yeah. That's probably the one that's on the top of the list as being the yep. most embarrassing. That's yep. fair. I think it's it's a lesson in life. Like you know, we all there's. I almost cursed there too. <laughs> there's there's things that we learn, and there's mistakes that we make from which we have to learn, um, even if it's embarrassing. So you sort of yeah. have to just move on and pick it up. Um, yeah. You mentioned composure being uh, being an anchor. You have to be composed, even if like something happens. I cast almost again. Wow. Same. Same. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but. Do you feel like that composure sort of spills into your personal life in any way or does it help you as a person um, in terms of being composed? Yeah, for sure. It depends on the situation that I have to be in. But mm-hmm. um, I think this is kind of interesting. Like now that you're talking about it, I kind of found a link between 
performing, like being on stage, music, dancing, whatever it is, and being live on TV with You Central, it's mm. the whole composure thing. Like you just you gotta know when to turn everything off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like all the distractions, all the noise around you, whatever people are saying to you, or like even if you're having a bad day and there's a lot on your mind, you just gotta be like, okay, switch off. We're on. We're live. We're going. Like right now, this is the moment, and you're just like focused in that moment. It's like mm-hmm. you have to be super present. If right. you're not present, you're not gonna be able to focus on delivering the best that you can at that moment. Mm-hmm. And it's things like these that you only get one shot. Like if you're on stage and you're doing a performance, you only get one shot for that. You know, I mean, you can practice it ten thousand times, but that audience is only gonna see you once. That's right. your one shot. If you're on the news, like I, I can practice my scripts. I can read it. If, thousand times but when I'm on the camera when I'm on live that's it that's my one shot so that is one thing I've learned like you know really holding my composure and turning distractions and noise off mm-hmm. when I need to and just focusing on what I have to do which really helps with things like I don't know things that are nervous I mean things that make me feel nervous so like mm-hmm. interviews you know if you're going for a job interview that really comes in handy or like if I'm if I'm having some kind of exam that I'm really nervous for, that also really comes in handy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it really helps. Cool. We're going to transition into something slightly different. Um, mm-hmm. Based off of the news, we're going to maybe find a segue in some way. Um, before we came on to this call, we spoke about social media being one of the topics of discussion today. Um, I wanted to ask you, being being a person who also posts a lot of your uh, stuff on social media, and being someone uh, who is a part of a newscast and a collegiate, uh, well, I lost my train of thought in terms of my words, but basically you're, you're part of a newscast. So social media has also turned into this newscast of its, of its own, if you will. Um, what are some of the highlights and the lowlights of that overlap between the news and social media? This is something we actually talk about a lot, like among media people, people in my major, people in the journalism field, we talk a lot about this. And the, well, I don't really want to say the problem, but mm-hmm. the issue with social media is that you don't really know what's real or what's fake news. Mm. Everything that you see online, you're like, oh my gosh, that's news. And new, like news is news because you haven't heard it before. It's right. new to you, right? So that's mm. why it's like, yeah. So, but the problem is you don't always know if it's real or if it's accurate or if it's just someone's opinion. And social media is so flooded with opinions and it's kind of dangerous because listening to the wrong opinions and being kind of like, like if you're, let's say, if you're listening to this opinion and you just dive deeper and deeper into that and it's a wrong opinion and you're just going that way constantly, then everything you're believing is just going to be the wrong direction. Mm. And that's kind of scary. Like you could be totally misled and misinformed and you wouldn't even know. And I think that's a little bit scary, you know? Mm. And that's also a big part of why politics and people are so divided with politics nowadays because you pretty much choose what you want to listen to. I would say with traditional news, it's... it's um, it's kind of like it's factual, it's objective, and it's made by like reporters and journalists and writers who are actually, they actually have a job to do, which is deliver mm-hmm. news that is factual and accurate. But if you're just getting all your news from social media, then you don't know that that's accurate, but you right. still believe it anyway, because you believe the opinions of those people who are seeing it. So 
gets it gets dangerous for mm-hmm. sure. Does that what answer your question? It does. It does answer one part of the question. But what are some of the positives that come out of it because of that? Like, what what are some of the positives that that overlap brings? Positives. Oh, the positives are definitely the speed of which things can be delivered. So you know, if breaking news happens at five p.m. and the mm-hmm. news on TV is the six o'clock news, it's gonna go on at six o'clock. But on social media, it's like. If if I as a reporter or a journalist or a media person, if I can get there in time and film whatever it is, then it's going up as soon as it goes up, you know. Mm. And people have early access to whatever is going on. And if if it's urgent, we can get the help that we need. We can get the attention that we need, especially if it's a time sensitive topic. Mm-hmm. Then it definitely helps a lot. That's yeah, the speed of it. I would say is how social media really helps. And hmm, anything else? I think just the speed. I, I can't think of anything else right now because it's all a lot of opinions. That mm. that's like a really big negative. Yeah. Do you think social media makes it a lot more accessible in terms of like being aware of what happens? Let's say, like if I was in India and like something happened over here in Edmund, I think, or do you think that social media has sort of has sort of helped us find out about things that are happening around the world a lot quicker? Yeah, for sure, and. It you know social media is made for us to be social, and I, where a lot of us are yeah. using that to our benefit. In I, I guess we I I could say that like anything that's happening back home for me, like same thing. If it's something's happening in Malaysia, I know that it's happening. Pretty sure it's the same for you. Anything big happening in India, you know about it like right, right then and there. Even though our time zones are just incredibly different, it's like it's tomorrow there and yesterday here. But we still yeah. know what we still know what's up. Right, that, right, right. And that's thanks to social media, and mm-hmm. yeah, that is a really big positive thing, and it also helps to create awareness, especially for things that need like mass attention, and it's like a big movement, like you know, Black Lives Matter and climate change, and all these issues that we need to be kind of talking about as a whole, as society. Social media really connects people in mm-hmm. in terms of things like this because we can't gather in person all the time, especially if it's across the world and things like that but with social media i can i can be an activist even if i'm not physically there mm. and this applies to so many people like that that's why the black lives matter movement was just like everywhere online and climate change and like feminism and all these other really broad issues mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. social media is also like a channel that we use to sort of express our creativity um mm. and you're someone that does it yourself uh, i think we sort of addressed that initially but um what well, for you as a person who's also um involved in the news through the means of social media um how is that dynamic like i i personally i kind of find that a little interesting cuz you're also sharing the news through a different channel but on your personal channel you're also or you're on your personal account you're sharing your creativity or whatever like i find the juxtaposition of that quite interesting so is there are there something some commonalities that you see over there Um what what do you mean like what kind of commonalities Maybe in the sense of being able to share something with a lot more ease I guess cuz back in the day if you wanted to show something that you did as a person that accessibility is not there or that accessibility wasn't there do you think that maybe this is just a question that sort of sounded good in my head but as I'm asking it I've sort of lost the plot uh but <laughs> but um i think that social media is like a space where 
people can share the news, people can share their creativity, and um, a lot of those things that, like, opinions for that matter. I think a lot of what we share is our perspective, is our opinion, is our creativity, be it the news or be it our art or whatever it is. Um, what are some of the positives and negatives of social media, you think? Well, gosh, this is such a big topic. I could go on about this like forever, but well, social media obviously is so good for really reaching out to communities that you originally probably wouldn't have mm. reached. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, for example, if I'm really connecting with a particular YouTuber who talks about issues that I really resonate with, and I'll be like, yeah, like that makes a lot of sense. And I can kind of like follow that person on their online journey. And based on what they're posting, I can dive more into more into their content. And then it kind of leads into this gateway of like opening my eyes to new creators and new content that I resonate with but I didn't know about before because I like you know I only knew about it when I knew about this content creator who branches out into so many things and it's like one thing leads to another and that's kind of how like you gain information about new things that you're interested about like for example I think an example of this would be like LGBTQ plus people and the LGBTQ plus community like when I was like growing up in Malaysia there's not a lot of exposure to LGBTQ plus communities, mm -hmm. especially because Malaysia is, a, I would say it's a kind of conservative country, as, especially the people who run it, the people who rule it, they are in that conservative mindset. The younger generation is different though, but I would say we're different because we grew up with the internet. So we have access to things like that. And then, you know, we watch YouTube or we watch Netflix or whatever it is, like we receive content from people who are not, they're not the ones like ruling our country, but they're like people from outside of that bubble. And then we kind of, our eyes are open to that. And we're like, oh my gosh, like this exists. Like LGBTQ plus is a thing. I was like, what? Like, I remember distinctly, I think I was like 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And I was just like watching stuff online. And I was like, what? Gay people can get married? Like, wow. Like, it's crazy. I mean, I'm personally, I'm, I don't identify as gay, but... You know, it was just really interesting and eye-opening for me to learn about that. And that's how I was kind of, I kind of became more open-minded to things like that. And, you know, I guess the older generation can't say the same because they didn't grow up with that kind of things. So to them, it's still like taboo and they'll be like, oh, ew, like same-sex couples, ew. But for the younger generation, it's like, yeah, you know, I've seen it happen. People get married, people are together, like love is love and all these kind of things. So it just made me more open-minded and that's, yeah, I would say that's what I really like about social media. I just get to be exposed to things that I wouldn't have the reach to. Mm -hmm. Things that I wouldn't have immediate exposure to in my daily life. Or things that I don't learn from school. I can just go online and learn about it. Or like music. A lot of my biggest musical inspirations are like my favorite musicians and everything that they do. You know, they put it online and I just see it online. If I was, if I was trying to get it in person, I would never get it. Right. So yeah negatives did you ask about negatives yeah i was gonna say before you mentioned negatives do you want to plug the podcast that you did for a project oh right yes so if anyone watching this right now is interested in a podcast my friends and i well actually my classmates and i because this was a class project but we made a podcast called the anti-social social podcast and the the themes in this podcast is basically social media, Gen Z, and mental health. It's kind of 
we had an umbrella of covering those three things. And we decided that we would be the best people to talk about it because we are Gen Z, like we are, I guess, millennials, cusp Gen Z type of thing. And social media, because we grew up with it, it's something that was like into our lives before we even knew what was going on was mm-hmm. in our lives. And mental health, because that is such a big thing. People need to be talking about mental health more. You know, I feel like physical health is something very, it's very objective and it's very concrete. People are like, okay, if you want to improve your physical health, go to gym, drink more water, eat healthy. But no one's really like, if you want to improve your mental health, do A, B, and C. That's not really taught in schools. That's not really taught by our parents. It's just kind of like taboo or like shamed. Or if you're saying, you know what? I feel anxious. I feel depressed. Maybe I should see a therapist. People are like, what's wrong with you? Like, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. if I say, you know what? I'm not feeling that great. Maybe I should go to the gym. My friends will be support. I mean, not just friends, but like people will be supportive. They'll be like, yeah, go to gym. Like, that's great. You should do that anyway. You know? So I feel like physical health and mental health, it just goes hand in hand. And I don't really know why there's such a big stigma against mental health when we should just treat it the same as physical health. It really just correlates. It really just goes together. Mm -hmm. So bringing it back to the podcast, our topics are just those three things. And we just hope to shed light on more of that. So if you want to find us on YouTube, you can just search the Anti-Social Social Podcast. And we are also on Spotify, Anchor, Deezer, whatever podcast platforms you have. Google Podcasts. Yeah, we're on there too. So Mm -hmm. you guys can check it out. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I wanted to bring that out because I would bring that up rather because I had one question that I was going to ask based off of the research that you all did. Uh, I mean, because I've listened to all the episodes and there was a lot of good points that you brought out about the negative implications that social media has in terms of mental health and um, things like that. Uh, during your research to like speak about these topics, was there something that stood out to you that you were like, oh, I never really thought about that? Like, how did I not know about this? Was there something like that that uh, sort of popped up while you were doing research or working on the podcast? Yeah, for sure. So um, have you seen this documentary called The Social Dilemma? It's on Netflix. I've heard about it. I've yet to watch it though. Highly recommend it. You mm. guys, like anyone who's watching, if you're free, if you have a moment, if you're looking for something to watch and you like documentaries, this documentary, The Social Dilemma, it will blow your mind. And basically what they talked about is how social media is wired to it's psychologically wired to to um what's the word to attract your attention Mm. so it's not it's not just something that's on your phone and you can just like go on it and like have fun i mean it is but the reason why we do it as a habit every day and the reason why it's so addictive is because it's wired to be so addictive it's made to be so addictive and Also, I think in the documentary, they mentioned that there are two types of apps in general, just like apps. So the first kind of apps are things that are just, they have their specific functionality. So like your alarm clock app or like your weather app, your reminders, notifications, like that kind of thing. It does a certain specific thing for you. And once you're done Mm -hmm. with it, you won't open it for no reason. But social media, if you really think about it, what is like the specific purpose of it apart from connecting with people apart from being social but what is it like what is its pure function that keeps you going back to it again and again and you use it more than any of the apps on your phone like I'm pretty sure all of us can say that the most used apps on our phones like the top five among the top five the at least two or three are social apps Mm -hmm. and it's it's basically you know the creators of these apps 
have merged psychology and technology and like human human psyche to create this thing that basically keeps you going back again and again and sometimes you know i i used to do this i mean i'm i'm a lot more mindful of it now like in the recent years but i used to do this mm-hmm. when i first got social media i would just like open it and i just like be on it for hours and then after that i'll i'll close the app and i'll be like what did i just do today i did nothing i was just on this app for hours and i did nothing so it's kind of scary to think about that like you're just well i don't want to say wasting your life but you're just spending your time you're spending your life away just swiping on screens and then no no action is being taken on it you know you're just consuming things mm-hmm. mindlessly mm-hmm. and that's scary so yeah from the reach from the research that i did i realized how much of social media is actually wired to be that way and it's it's not an accident that we're addicted it's no accident at all mm-hmm. so that's kind of scary i think people should be more mindful of it and mm-hmm. it definitely helps now that we have our screen time you know you can check your screen time how much time you're spending on your phone how much time you're spending on each app so that definitely helps to like keep people in check yeah yeah i think it's that concept of i don't know if you've heard this word i think this is a twitter word like i think a lot of people in twitter or who use twitter use this lingo it's called cheap dopamine um have you heard that term before i mean you know i have i have never heard the term just i'm not on twitter a lot i don't even use twitter to be okay. honest so mm-hmm. i haven't heard the term but now that you're saying it it makes a lot of sense cheap dopamine that's what yeah. it is yeah cuz it's like it's like eye candy like i mean and not necessarily not necessarily figuratively but it could be metaphorically as well um a lot of things that we see on social media like it sort of grabs us it grabs our attention and it's it's sort of like that constant loop of oh you swipe something you see something it makes you happy you want to be more happy you swipe something up again and like you're constantly sort of trying to seek that happiness if you will i mean it does make you happy but i think there's a larger sense or a larger or a better way of being happy than seeking stuff on social media to be happy but um yeah i think cheap cheap dopamine is like a concept like you just said how it's psychologically wired to be that way and it's not an accident at all i think it is that concept of cheap dopamine like to use it as a as yeah. a layman's term that keeps yeah. us going back to it for which sure is very interesting for sure yeah. and it's i feel like it's called cheap dopamine because it's it's not something that you have to work hard to attain you just open the app and it's there like if we're going to exactly. take TikTok is the most perfect example of it and that's why exactly. TikTok is 100%. so scary. TikTok is so scary to me because because of this whole cheap dopamine concept. So like you're on it and watching these little videos like it gives you satisfaction or it gives you happiness and you're laughing at it and whatever. Like in that moment, that's the cheap dopamine. But once it's turned off, you're like, crap, what do I do now with real life? Like do I go out and mm. like play or like do I actually do something physically that I have to like move? So it takes effort. and you're like you know what that's too much effort let me just be on my phone so you go <laughs> back to that cheap dopamine and it's so unhealthy we have to do things more we have mm-hmm. to actually get you know physically be doing things whether it's i don't know whether it's re- okay well i guess not physically like if you're working your brain mentally like if you're reading a book or if you're listening to a podcast or like you're actually learning something consciously or if you're going out to play sports you're exercising playing an instrument drawing art whatever it is you're doing something mm-hmm. you're you're having instead of having input you're having output does that make mm-hmm. sense yeah 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 for sure yeah. for sure 
And yeah. I think that uh, loop of input is very quick or it's very fast and it's very constant with things like TikTok or Reels or et cetera and et cetera. But doing things, yeah. like you said, like sort of going out of your way and staying away from your phone and doing things that like, you know, going to the gym or whatever, like the output for your input takes a lot longer um, to sort of reach that equilibrium. So, um, yeah. I, that's why we For sort of sure. still seek out that cheap dopamine. I mean, we're not yeah. trying to throw shade on people who use Twitter or Reels, but I think it's just about trying to be mindful about your usage because yeah. we've all been there. Like we've all been in those moments where, oh, Instagram, cool picture or cool story. You know, you're just constantly looking at stories and then you look at the clock and it's been an hour, you know, since you've been on those yeah. stories. So we've yeah. all done that, but it's just sort of that aspect of being mindful of the fact that, um, we can seek dopamine through a lot of different ways and it doesn't have to be cheap. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not, I don't completely just want to be, you know, throwing shade on social media when social media has really benefited me so much. Like I've learned so many things from social media. So, you know, I guess something that we should all do is just be mindful of our media diet. Think Mm. of what you're consuming online. Think of it as your diet, right? Like what you're eating, you're consuming food, right? So that's your nutritional diet. If you're consuming online things like for three hours a day, like on TikTok, or Instagram, Twitter, whatever, mm. that is your media diet. And yeah. like to be healthy mentally, you got to have a good media diet. Mm. Like it all makes sense. 100%. It all just ties in together. So you got, you know, if the basics of a diet is you got to monitor what goes in, you got to monitor what you consume and make sure it benefits you. And if it doesn't benefit you, you know, it's, it's easy when we're talking about it in terms of food. Like let's say, I love chocolate. I love Kit Kats. I love Oreos, but I know having a lot of it is not good for me. So I'm going to cut down on it. Same thing with media. Like if you're watching the same things over and over again that don't benefit you and you feel like you're not learning anything, it's just like cheap dopamine, but it's not benefiting you truly, then just, you know, cut it off. Don't need that. 2020 is toxic enough. We don't need any more (laughs) of that stuff. Fair. Don't need it. Fair. Yeah. To, to close off this section and to transition into the closing end of this podcast, I'm just going to say, I remember, I don't know if you've heard of this person by the name of Naval Ravikant. He's sort of like this, people call him like a new age philosopher, if you will. He's this angel investor and all those kind of things. And he's quite active on Twitter. And he puts out quite mind or thought provoking sort of tweets. And um, he mentioned something along the lines of how social media today is framing how we think as people and how it's creating certain eco chambers or how it's sort of making us feel towards different people and all those kind of things. Like it, it has this huge influence on how we think about many different things, you know, um, which is why one of the reasons I wanted to, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast to sort of um, get to know things a little more deeply compared to just looking at the surface, if you will. So I think whatever it be, like, it doesn't have to be necessarily a podcast. It could be reading a book or it could be going outside. Like, you know, we, we probably need to go deeper into things rather than just looking at the surface and sort of assuming that to be the truth. Um, Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And you mentioned things, you mentioned that social media is like seeing things on the surface. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also a really big thing that kind of it, social media impacts the way we absorb information and the way we learn things. And I was just listening to this the other day. I I don't remember if it was like a podcast or something. I don't remember where I heard it, but this person was saying that 
you know, 20 years ago, if you wanted to learn something, you would pick up a book or you would go to someone who actually knows about it and you would learn mm -hmm. about that thing, yeah. you know, and you really dive into it in depth. But nowadays, if you're going to learn something, it's just like, how, how do I put this? Your attention span is so much shorter. Oh, yeah, a lot of, 100%. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people don't have the patience to pick up a book and read it back, like, front to back and learn about the thing anymore. Or they don't have the patience to, like, actually go seek it out. Because why spend your attention somewhere else when you can just get your quick dose of dopamine? Mm. You don't have to put in so much effort to whatever it is. So it definitely yeah. impacts us. I think it'll be interesting to see, like, 30 years down the road, how people then are different from people now, just like in the way we do things. Yeah, for know. sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I think that's very, a, a part of it can be scary in terms of trying to think of how different the world might be. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of positives that we could take out of it too. I think if used properly, I think we can bring people together um, rather than tear them apart. Um, so sure. yeah, anyway, transitioning into... Um, the latter stages of this podcast, we're going to get into this segment called, uh, I always laugh in my head before I say this because the name is a little funny, but the name of the segment is Bish Bash Bosch. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, uh, Bish Bash Bosch was inspired by this uh, soccer, by this video or not video specifically, but I watch a lot of soccer content that's based off of the UK. And uh, when a person kicked a ball, they made the sound Bosch. And one random day, I was like, oh, like, bash also rhymes with, like, bosh. And I was like, bish, bash, bosh. Bingo. Okay. I'm going to make that a thing. So we're trying this new segment out um, where basically the, the theme of it is I'm going to give you five words. And I'd like for you to respond to those five words in either three words or three phrases. Uh, for example, if I was to say social media, what are the, what are the three words that come to your mind? Uh, ah, like kind of association. Sure. Yes. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I yeah. get it. But we call it Bish Bash Bosch over here. <laughs> okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Cool. Okay. Uh, so the first word is um, differences. What what pops up into your mind when I say the word differences? I can say anything. Anything. Three words. Three words. Three phases that come to your mind. Anything when I say uh, these words, like differences, for example, being the first word. Um, diversity. Mm -hmm culture and gosh i can oh this is hard diversity culture and empathy empathy interesting interesting that you picked empathy um second word uh nuance nuance oh ah oh, this is hard uh whatever comes to your mind it doesn't have to be well we live in a world where politically political correctness is important but yes. it, whatever comes to your mind whatever comes to your mind nuance um details okay music emotions interesting cool uh the third word learning learning hmm um effort focus determination cool i like it i like those three words empathy <laughs> fourth word empathy Empathy, um, connection, friendship, um, the everlasting. Nice, I like it. Uh, the last word, similarities. Similarities, ooh, bonding. Mm -hmm. Chilling. 
Mm-hmm. And this is a phrase. I I, I can think Go of phrases, it. but fine. it's not a word. Building the relationships. Okay. Yep. Cool. Cool. Beautiful. I like all those answers because I think the the reason why I wanted to start something like or use this segment was to see how people respond differently to the same words because I'm using the same five words that I, I ask everybody or I'll ask everybody who's coming on the same five words and we're going to see just sort of how they respond to those things. So I like how you responded to nuance or differences of empathy. So yeah, cool. How's really that been? I'm so curious, but you probably can't tell me, right? Well, for that, so maybe this is a bit of a teaser, but uh, go follow Random Relatability on Instagram because on Instagram, I'm going to be uploading these segments of Fish Bash Bosh every week. So every guest that I have on, I'm going to upload their uh, their segment on Instagram. So to go check those out too. And listen to the podcast. Too, you know? get, the, get, the, get, the, get the whole meal, you know, get the full happy meal. Cute. <laughs> yes, do that for sure. That's going to be good promo. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Anyway, transitioning into the last two questions of um, this episode. The first one being... Um, how would you relate to someone who probably doesn't believe or not believe well, who probably doesn't follow the same principles as you, or if, for example, if someone likes metal music and you're not a person that likes, that likes metal music, that's just a random example, but like, how would you relate to people that don't necessarily follow the same things that you do? Well, I think just trying to understand where they're coming from is a really big thing. Mm. And it's, it's easy for people to get defensive when they realize that they're not being agreed with and they automatically just like put up this wall of like, okay, I'm just going to like disagree with you because I'm right and you're wrong. But we just have to kind of be more em- empathy is the word. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have to be more empathetic and try to understand where that person is coming from. Like, I know people who love metal and I ask them, why, why do you like metal? Like, what do you like about it? And some people say, it helps me sleep. And I'll be like, great, good wow. for you. Wow, good for you though. Good for you. That is, I can't imagine doing that myself. But great, good on you. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm not yeah. even kidding. That's what people say. So I'll be like, okay. So it helps them to sleep. It puts them in a good mood. Okay, great. You know, it doesn't apply to me. The same concept of them doing that doesn't apply to me. But at least I understand where they're coming from. And that's just like a really that's just like a lifestyle thing. Like music, it doesn't affect me. But if it's politics and it's something like bigger then it's even more important to be even more empathetic and Mm -hmm. try to understand like what reasons do you have for siding with like that party that I don't agree with and like what is it about that party Mm -hmm. that you agree with right 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 I think especially in in the generation that we're living in today because of things like social media and how everything is so surface level it's very easy for us to sort to sort of draw conclusions and be like oh that's why this person is doing this or that's why this person is doing that so like you said, I think being empathetic is very important in today's world, at least. And I think that's one of the ways that we can definitely connect with a lot more people. So yeah, a great answer. And, and the echo chamber is a big thing as well. Oh, like yeah. It's so easy for us to be caught up in our own echo chambers. So once we're out of the echo chamber and we find someone who disagrees with us, it, we should actually be more alert. We should be like, oh, there's someone who disagrees. Let me find out why. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree 100%. 100%. Great answer. Uh, to close this off for the last question of this episode, if there's a positive thought or a positive quote or whatever positive that comes to your mind that you want to leave the audience with today, what would that be? Oh, 
positive quote. Anything, anything positive, whatever it might be. Any positive quote. Okay, so this quote that I'm gonna use is from someone I know. Um, he was a therapist, but mm -hmm. he gave me this quote. It's find value in what you do. Find value in what you do. So, for example, if you know if you're going through like a well, for anyone who's watching, if you're going through a really tough time in life and mm -hmm. you're wondering like why is this being sent my way like what what is the purpose of me doing this trying to find value in that and it helps you to keep going and i know this is a lot easier said than done obviously but oh, yeah. it's it's really all about perspective if you think what you're doing is just like complete crap and you hate it don't want to be there don't want to do it obviously you're going to be bad at doing it or you're going to be depressed you're going to feel bad doing it but finding the value in it like finding why this is essential to you like if you're working at a job you hate the value in that is you're earning money you're gaining something which is you're earning money you're having a job you're keeping your family afloat you're yeah. able to and like that's the value in doing it so until you can find a better job finding value in your current job that you kind of hate makes it more bearable mm -hmm. in that sense or mm -hmm. if it even if it's not something that big like a job even if it's like a creative endeavor like if anyone's trying to start a new creative project or they're just like afraid of rejection, afraid of people crapping on them, I swear, but you know, yeah. <laughs> afraid of stuff like that. Yeah. Just remember to find the value in what you do and mm -hmm. be like, why am I doing this? What is the value in this? Why did I start in the first place? Do, am I doing it for other people or am I doing it for myself? Like what is the reason behind starting this thing? And that'll just help to push you along as you keep going on your creative project. So that's the piece of advice I have. Beautiful. It's very deep. It's very deep. And I, I like I like that you chose that to sort of close this off. I'm going to close this off with another tweet I read. I well, if you don't know already, <laughs> I probably mentioned Twitter already on this episode a lot. But I read this tweet yesterday that said, um, believe that things happen for you rather than to you. You know, so for sure. yeah, for sure. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to close off episode three of Perspective Platoon. Thank you so much, Mars, for coming on today. I really appreciate you taking the time off and like talking about a lot of random stuff. Thanks really for having me. Yeah. It was fun. I can't wait to see the rest of the episodes. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you guys for watching and listening. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Perspective Platoon with Pratik. If you'd like to connect with me, my Instagram handle is at mardiana.x. And please go check out my music on Spotify or any other streaming platform. If you made it this far, you might as well subscribe to the podcast, leave a review on the platform of your choice, and follow Random Relatability on social media. Share your thoughts on this episode on the guest introduction post on the Random Relatability Instagram page. And also check out the description for other sources of information about things that we've talked about today. Once again, thank you for tuning in. And as Pratik would say, don't forget to keep your mind open to different perspectives because you never know, Random Relatability might just be around the corner. Stay safe and take care.